Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Talking Bollocks with me, your host, Howard H. Smith. You know me. Come on, you've been listening for a while now. I am lead singer in UK thrash band Acid Rain, whose album, The Age of Entitlement, is about to turn one year old and have its first anniversary. Isn't that quite scary? Um, I also run this here podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back, or welcome for the first time. I... I'm also the host of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. It is coming soon, don't you worry, I'll keep you informed. And I also do stand-up comedy as the character Keith Platt, and I have have had the pleasure of doing my first two shows since lockdown, last week in Newcastle-under-Lyme, and it was weird, but fun, but weird but fun. So, hello, welcome, welcome my lovely listeners. Hello. Are you on an emotional corona coaster? I know I have been. Um it's up and down and it all things are changing all the time. Well, what the hell? Let's fuck that off and uh, and let's just talk about the world of metal, shall we? Um, And let's start with, unfortunately, not the best of news, man injured by stage diver at Agnostic Front Concert awarded $2 million settlement. So, there you go, guys. That is why sometimes there's a barrier and sometimes um, audiences are told not to dive. If there isn't the appropriate cover that the band have or the venue have, then without an insurance company to pay that kind of money out... You can see the end of a venue, the end of a band even. Very nearly ended Fishbone, um, uh, an injury um, to an audience member. Um, but that was actually one of the band who uh, who created the issue there. Diving off a balcony. So actually, if you think about it, yeah, that's pretty fucking stupid. Um, but no, nothing I wouldn't do or haven't done in the past. So I'm pretty fucking stupid. But if you know this podcast, you already know that. So, um, how's it going? You know, the, the world of metal is a funny old place. That's what we're, um, that's what I'm concentrating on for the first few minutes here. That's the, uh, that's the, the format. If there is a format at all of this podcast, that's, that's kind of it. Um, so what's been going on? Uh, Rob Halford has bought a book out. Confess, it is called. I confess I haven't lis- uh, listened. <laughs> I'm not going to get the audio book. I'm not one of those lazy twats. I will be getting the book. I will be reading it. I just haven't at the moment. So I can't really give you um, any uh, any particular nuggets about that. One thing that is for sure is that John Bush um, has made it very clear that he is more than happy to perform with Anthrax and Joey. And Neil Turbin has made it more than clear that he's preferred to perform with Anthrax and Joey and John. In fact, the only person we haven't heard from is Joey Belladonna. And my guess is he's thinking, look, guys, I'm the singer in Anthrax. I always have been, always will be. So, you know, this is it. And no, I'm not interested. I suspect that um, Joey has no interest in pulling any of that stuff off. I really do. Um, But let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. Um, What else has been happening in the world of metal? Well quite an interesting one actually um yeah it's uh, it's it, it's about well it's about megadeth and um during an ep- appearance on um, aftershocks tremors live um dave alefson was asked how he reacts to fans uh, sometimes not responding to certain megadeth albums that favor- favorably i.e 99's risk and super collider in 2013 and his response was 
when we were doing the Super Collider record, there were risk-like moments that kept coming into my head, and I was just going, I don't know, I think I've seen this movie before, and I just kind of had to go with it, because those weren't really my songs, and I'm there as a member of the band, and a member amongst members, so we go as a team, so there are these moments. Well, it's funny that, because prior to the release of Super Collider, Dave Mustaine referred to Junior mentioning that this stuff was like early stuff, like Killing Is My Business stuff, and he's usually a pretty good judge of music. So, maybe he did say that, and maybe he meant one particular song or a part of a song, and then Dave decided to take that and throw it out into public, and it created false expectations, whatever. But all I can say is, ultimately... If you are if you are thinking of risk like moments, no, I think let let's not let's not just go with it and help work on the songs. Let's actually put our hands up and say, you know what? Nah, this is sounding like risk stuff. Are you sure we're on the right path here? Should we really should we really be going this route? I'm just saying, you know, as, as somebody who's in a band, I'm just saying. Now, I know it's Mustaine's band, but surely Alefson has been has known him long enough to be able to say, look, Dave, I think we might be going down a risk path here. I mean, that's not too unreal. I'm not being unreasonable, am I? Am I? Tell me if I am, you know. Tweet me, call me a twat, whatever, which reminds me, at Talking Bollocks. Bollocks spelt with a Z on the end. That is where you can uh, hit me up. Also on Facebook, um, in fact, on loads, on loads of different formats, including Patreon, where you can get loads of extra stuff. But more about that later. Next up is, of course, Death Dealer, featuring former Manowar guitarist Ross the Boss. Conquered Lands album due in November. Now, for those of you who uh, have been listening regularly, you'll know that uh, Death Dealer's um, press releases tend not to hold back. In fact, they usually they usually um, mention words like legends and uh, originators. In fact, basically laying claim to pretty much creating everything from metal to punk. Um, and and I I find them hilarious because they are they are so over the top. But you know that that must be the way that you know they want it to come across. You know, for instance, the Death Dealer record, uh, the Death Dealer sound mixes classic heavy metal with elements of thrash, power, and epic stylings, all wrapped uh, wrapped up around powerful choruses that compel the listener to sing along at the top of their lungs with fists held high in the air. I mean, you know. This this makes this makes Rob this makes Rob Flynn saying the new Machine Head album is going to be fucking crushing, um, or Corey Taylor's famous quotes about one of his Stone Sour average middle of the road records saying it's we caught lightning in a bottle. It makes them sound like they're being reasonable. I mean. The sound mixes classic heavy metal with elements of thrash power and epic stylings all wrapped around powerful choruses that compel, compel the listener to sing along at the top of their lungs with their fists held high. By the power of Death Dealer, I compel you. By that's a, that's an ex- ex- exorcist reference. <laughs> <coughs> that's not a cough. I'm not laughing at myself. It's a cough because I was doing a stupid voice. 
says Ross. We have been working on this record for quite a while now, and it feels like the perfect time to get this out and give the people a kick-ass heavy metal record. It also seems like it was meant to be that the album comes out during this time period because people could use this uplifting rock and roll to put some positive energy back in their lives. A, I fucking hate it when anyone's music is metal and they refer to it as rock and roll. That does irritate me, okay? Unless it's Motorhead, because to be fair... That, that Motorhead were the loudest rock and roll band ever. And that that I totally accept. But this, okay, when you are in your own press release calling it heavy metal with elements of thrash, power, and epic stylings, then how come it's rock and roll? It it can't be all those things. It just can't be. I'm saying, you know, rock and roll. One o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, rock. Four o'clock. No, that's fucking rock and roll, right? Adds Stu, who's also in the band, not sure what he does, but let's hear from him. We all worked really hard on this thing, and I'm really happy with how it sounds. All the people that helped me with the production really came through. Isn't that nice? Somebody who has not claimed that it is basically, you know, the the greatest thing ever recorded. Making an album is fun, and I look forward to the fans' reaction to it, of course, but I really look forward to performing some of these ripping speed screamers live on the stage with the guys. Mm, says Mike LePound. Well, you know, that's not going to be happening for a while. And it was nice and tempered at the beginning, but it ended up being ripping speed screamers, which is, has anybody, anyone listening, anybody listening, have you ever heard the phrase to describe music or a song or a particular album, ripping speed screamers? Anyone? Ripping speed screamers. I turned 50 a few months ago. I've been around the world of metal for quite a while. Never heard that. Never. I'm not saying that, that that doesn't mean it's bona fide. I'm just saying it sounds a bit fucking weird. Anyway, um, that album, as you are aware, is going to be coming out. And uh, God bless them. By the time it comes out, I'm sure they'll have added country, blues and, uh, and probably rave to the list of um, uh, musical styles that they cover. Um, what else has been going on? Volbeat has been super creative working on the new music. So uh, just creative then, okay? You can't just put the word super in front of everything to try and emphasise that it's better, yeah? I don't feel super good. I don't feel super great. I, I feel good. I feel great. Putting super on the front of it, no, doesn't work, okay? It doesn't fucking work. I've said it before. I've said it again. More better, no, yeah? And, and, and funnily enough, watching something on TV the other day, he didn't get no help. The poor guy didn't get no help. Let me explain. That means he did get help. Because if you didn't get no help, it means that you got help. So I know it's just language, and I know I sound like an ancient cunt and some sort of pedantic English teacher, but I do like the fucking language of English, and I like it used properly. But hey... By now, you probably know I'm a bit of a fucking self-opinionated twat. So, you know, I I am aware of it, okay? I am aware of it, I promise. But I'm kind of not going to be holding back anytime soon because it's kind of what I do. I mean, you know that, right? It, It is what I do. Anyway, um, so the Wacken Worldwide Virtual Festival, did uh, anyone see that? It, it, um, it was just weird for me. I mean, Creator basically looked like they were playing a show inside a video game. That's the only, um, 
That's the only conclusion I came to. This is no criticism of the Vacuum organisers. It's no criticism of uh, of Creator. I am. I, I'm just. Look, I guess. Am I? Am I being critical? Yes, I guess I am. But. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I guess the point I'm making is, oh, what a surprise. Um, a virtual festival isn't as good as a real one. I mean, I'm pointing out the fucking obvious. I mean, and again, listeners of a certain length will probably be used to me doing that as well. But um, it just looked mad. It looked crazy. Um, and and I know, you know, a, a lot of people have said, oh, you know, you're going to do a live stream. Like, not every band can do a live stream. Live streams do um, do require a certain amount of um, uh, of technical work. I mean, uh, my band, for instance, we've got five people in all sorts of different parts of the country. Um, one in a lockdown part of the country. So for a start, that's like, yeah, that means no live streaming going on. Then even if you get everybody together, you've got to hire a venue. You can't do it in a rehearsal room. So it's got to be in a venue. You've got to have a lighting rig. You've got to have a sound rig. You've got to have a sound man. You need at least three camera people. Then you need an ability to stream it. Then you need a platform to stream it on and a way of um, charging for it because it's going to cost money to put on. So you need to make, make enough money back to cover those costs and preferably make some money to help you live and pay bills. So it's not that, why not just do a live stream gig? That's great. Some people say that. Yeah, just do a live stream. Yeah, yeah, just do a live stream gig. Why don't you just learn to fly? Yeah, uh, yeah, because that's yeah. Why don't you just hire a um, uh, hire a limousine for a year? Oh, can't afford it. Well, guess what? Same response from me. Um, we can't afford it. But there you go. A, a little bit of whinging there. Do apologise. You didn't. Uh, you didn't tune in for whinging, did you? I did say tune in. I did it on purpose. It's an old gag. If it doesn't mean anything to you, don't worry about it. But I tell you what. While we're on virtual festivals, I have to say this. I have had enough of quarantine cover versions. I'm re. I'm beyond caring who is playing, whatever unlikely combination of musicians are playing, yeah, and what song they're playing, I'm, I'm beyond that, yeah, oh look, there's one of them in his garden, oh, and look, there's somebody else in a different part of another building, oh look, the screen's split into four, yeah, it, it's, it's done, it's done guys, it's done, but that's, again, that's me, I've had enough, and I'm pretty much not going to watch any more Really, uh, it's just, it's becoming too much. Too much? Too much. Um, and Ozzy, Ozzy says that he's not going to do any more gigs with Sabbath. Um, he, he's he's done with it, you know, he's finished with it, it's over, he's bored with it. Great, mate. Same as everybody else, um, uh, pretty much. Yeah, so I'm, I'm absolutely cool with that. And to be honest, um, Ozzy is not looking well at the moment. Um, and given the pandemic... Will we ever see Ozzy Osbourne um, on stage again? Don't know. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think we will, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. So, from one legendary vocalist to another, not myself, obviously, <laughs> um, Rob Halford. Yep, Rob Halford, not only with a, with a book out, is, um, is doing that thing that singers tend to do that no one else gives a shit about. That's right, putting a solo album out. But it's not just any old solo album. It's going to be a blues solo album. So um, thanks for letting us know, uh, Rob. Uh, absolutely zero interest in that whatsoever. But, um, you know, go ahead. That's cool. I mean, like, like, like he's going to listen to me at all. Quite rightly. Do what you like. Do absolutely what you like. Anyway, um, we then have... Uh, the next one is possibly 
well, it is very weird. And it involves Metallica and German football team Bayern Munich. So, yeah, I know, weird, right? Because I like football and I like Metallica. But which one's best? Fight! There's only one way to find out. Fight. Yeah, again, if you're in on it, you're in on it. Um, oh, hang on, a bit of water. So, um, when they won the Champions League, that's Bayern Munich, not Metallica. <laughs> uh, Bayern Munich won the Champions League. They, they tweeted out some footage of um, a couple of their players and amazing stats, records that, they, that they've broken in the Champions League. And uh, the music backing it was, I don't know which track it was, but it was from uh, S&M 2 by Metallica. And obviously somebody in the Metallica camp had picked up on this and Metallica tweeted at Bayern Munich congratulating them on their Champions League win um, and clearly somebody somebody had been doing their um, somebody had been doing their stats and um, uh, and uh, uh, right here it is hang on Be- bear with me a second through the mi- through the miracle of the pause button I'm going to give you the proper full story well I hope so how's this eh actual fucking research so the tweet reads from Metallica congrats to FC Bayern for winning the treble this season and also to Robert Lewandowski and Serge Gnabry for becoming the most dan- the, the, becoming the most goal dangerous duo in Champions League history. Good luck in the upcoming Bundesliga season. I mean, you know, whichever way you look at it, that's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive being right across every single aspect of the internet is pretty impressive. Um and yeah, I, I just thought it was a really, really nice story. But again, it's just somebody in the Metallica camp is so on the ball. And I'll tell you who else is on the ball. That's Michael Sweet. Michael Sweet of Striper, who this week, um, well, not this week, a few weeks ago, um, September the 5th, in fact, Michael uh, Sweet reacts to con- controversial review of Striper's new album. It's incredibly unfair and a blatant attack on our faith. Um, earlier this week, Blabbermouth published a review of the uh, of Even the Devil Believes from veteran UK heavy metal journalist Dom Lawson, in which he gave the LP four out of ten rating, praising the record's multiple anthemic refrains and glorifying indulgent soldos, but also saying constant references to God's love and the power of prayer, and basically he, he criticised it. Now, you are free to do that in the modern world, right? And... Um, he said, "To buy into Striper's musical world, you also have to uh, be able to ignore the fact that most uh, that the most uh, religious thinking is instinctively reactionary, rooted in irrational fear, and is therefore entirely contrary to both the spirit of rock and roll and everything that heavy metal is supposed to be about. Frankly, it's a major turnoff. Ultimately, you can try and kid people that worshiping sky fairies is a shrewd pastime, but it just isn't. And as much as Striper deserve applause for sticking to their guns, it's almost impossible to listen to the even the devil believes without wishing that Satan would arrive and liven things up a bit, metaphorically." speaking of course I'm not mad so uh, now you might think that's a bit over the the top but Sweet's reply we can take negative reviews trust me we've had more than our fair share over the years yep but a few on this fucking podcast but to base a review on hate and discrimination against our faith and beliefs in 2020 is just not acceptable we live in a time when rights are fought for for everyone as they should be why should our rights be any different what do you think is this review fair or discriminatory 
He goes on to say, I think it's incredibly unfair, and I think in 2020, it borders on illegal. It really does. You see people out there on the streets fighting for their rights. Um, But my point is people are there uh, really fighting for their rights, and yet this guy takes a dump on our beliefs, and that's okay. In 2020, that's acceptable. That's okay. It's not okay. I read it, and I just thought, nah, you're not going to wipe your boots on us. You're obviously a hater. And... um, He goes on to say that basically um, he's not very happy. The reason why it upsets me is so much because of the low rating, but more is because of blatant attack on our faith. Well, the more I thought about it, I posted when I... because I was at first I was frustrated, I guess somewhat angry, I guess you could say that, but then I thought about it and I thought, how sad this guy hates us so hates us so much. Well, you kind of missed the point there. He didn't hate you. He hates the constant references to God and religion. So you've personalised that because it's your music. And what's even funny, almost comical, is the review only fuels the fire in a good way. Well, that's great. So what you're saying there is, oh, you know, it's quite comical and it fuels the fire. Well, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, you can't be, you can't be, uh, oh, I'm having my beliefs trampled on and this is virtually illegal and then say, oh, but it's even funny, almost comical. I mean, which one is it? Have a fucking angle and have a stance and stick to it. Um, For him to write a review like that just to be nasty, for me, that's not a good reviewer. I don't take anyone like that seriously. Again, earlier you were referring to how it was um, almost illegal. Pick a fucking argument. Um, it Again, he says, it's funny. He briefly mentioned Satan in the article. I've forgotten what context. But obviously, you look at his reviews, he's, he's into the real dark stuff, and that's fine. Now, if somebody isn't into Striper, it doesn't mean they're a Satanist, okay? I cannot stand Striper, and I don't listen to death metal. So I, I, I don't get what the point. I don't listen to, I don't listen to any Satanic bands, and I never have, really. Uh, Probably Venom is the closest I've ever come. So that's a very lazy fucking conclusion to come to. But at the same time, we have a lot of Satanists and atheists who are fans of the band. Oh, a lot of Satanists and atheists. Really? You've done some market research? And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. Oh, great. I'd love to see the figures. Where are they? Oh, the research I mentioned earlier? Yeah, you haven't done it. We we meet them worldwide, come face to face with them, do interviews with them. Huge fans who are Satanists and atheists. Oh, come on. Really? Can anybody ever remember reading a review where the reviewer was a Satanist? Because that should be in the review somewhere. I mean, the interview somewhere. I've interviewed with leaders of the Satanic Church and they're like, man, oh, I love soldiers. It's my favourite. So what is your point? Maybe we snubbed Dom in some autograph signing line or something. Oh, and then he's gone on that. You know, he's really a fan and we must have pissed him off, Rue. Uh, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's it's just fucking ridiculous. And no, it's not discriminatory. It's one person's opinion, like any review, okay? In fact, it's discriminatory to say that the review is discriminatory just because you got a bad review. But do you know what? Who gives a fuck? I have given this all the... Well, I've given it as much oxygen as I am for now because I don't normally do this, but what I am going to tell you is that next the next... Talking bollocks you'll be uh, hearing from Dom Lawson. The interview is already, as we say in the trade, in the can. I probably should have done that whole story before the Dom Lawson interview, instead of Cragen's interview. But that is the way things have worked. In other words, I have put things in the wrong order, and now it's too late to change them. That's enough for me. Enough whinging, enough prattling. Um, So remember, Dom Lawson's coming up next 
well, not not next, next. Well, you know, next, next. The ne- That's something else as well. The other day, someone said to me, oh, it was a Tuesday and they said, let's do it next Thursday. And I was great. Okay, speak to you in two days. No, next Thursday. Well, it's Tuesday today. The next Tuesday that is, sorry, it's Tuesday today. The next Thursday, and Thursday's what I meant. I've completely fucked this up, right? It's Tuesday. They said next Thursday. I said, speak to you in two days. And they said, no, next Thursday. And I was like, well, it's Tuesday today. The next Thursday that occurs on planet Earth is in two fucking days. So that is next Thursday. No, it isn't. Now, there will be people here going, oh, yeah, that guy was totally right. You're a dick, Howard. And there's going to be people going, yeah, absolutely, Howard. That fucking really winds me up as well. And do you know what? That's just life. Anyway, uh, hopefully that is hopefully that is the worst thing that you've got on your plate at the moment is the whole next Thursday thing. So it's about time that we got onto the interview because I've been prattling along way too long, a little bit longer than normal. My apologies for that. But hey, it's my fucking podcast. So, you know, tough shit. Um, next up, is Cragen Lum from the legendary um, Heathen. Now, they have an empire, uh, an empire, they have an album out called Empire of the Blind. You can tell I'm fucking looking at it, can't you? They've got an album out called Empire of the Blind. You need to hear it. You need to track it down. You don't have to track it down. If you've got internet access, just put Heathen Empire for the Blind and there it will be, okay? It's not difficult these days. So go and check it out because it is a... It is a it's a Bay Area thrash record, unlike any other Bay Area thrash record. Had a great time chatting to Craigan, as you are gonna hear now. This is Craigan and I chatting just a few days ago. Hello. Hello, is that Craigan? It is. How are you? I am very well. How are you, sir? I'm okay. You know, doing the best I can under uh, the pandemic circumstances. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's got to suck. I mean, I I feel your pain too. I mean, I I sing in a, a UK thrash band, Acid Rain, and we put our first album out for twenty nine years, and so and, and had to pull the tour to support it. Uh, um, yeah, you know, and I, and I do. I, I'm a stand up comedian as well, and had all of my shows pulled there. I'm I'm actually about to do my first two for since since March um, uh, this oh, weekend. Wow. I know, so I'm I'm excited. <laughs> Um, but uh, but I yeah I know what it's like, dude. And um, at what stage, kind of in the process, did you think you know what this album's going to come out right in the middle of all this? Uh, well, the album was done actually. Um, it was done in January, and the pandemic announcement was kind of like March time. Yeah. Uh, so you know the original release was planned for um, June, and we would have released the first single in in April. So we basically had to make a decision on whether or not we wanted to release the album this year at all or not. Um, and you know, it was postponed three months basically because retailers weren't taking any new music. Um, and so we, we had to wait regardless. Uh, but you know, we made fans wait 10 years and we felt like we're not going <laughs> to wait another year and sit, you know, idly all year long. Because um, ultimately, at the end of the day, we don't know how long this is going to go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, yeah, we've got we've we've released the album after twenty nine years, and uh, if they're going to wait a year to to see us, then so be it. But like you say, we we still don't know how long this is going to last. Yeah, I mean, right now it's looking like it's going into 
at least the, the beginning of next year, um, I saw some some bands announced uh, cancellations of tours that they had planned in like January, February, February. So, you know, it's just difficult to, it's even difficult to plan a tour right now. We're trying to reschedule dates that were booked for this year. Um, and it's, it's tough, man. We just don't know when we're going to be able to, to go over there. And, and if we're going to be allowed to travel freely through Europe, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, I guess it's a little bit, uh, there's a, there's that extra layer of complexity because we're from the U S and, you know, it's not like we're already European. And I think, I think they'll probably look at things a little bit differently, possibly quarantines or vaccine required. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, well, one thing's for sure. It's, um, it's up to other, it's up to other people to find out what goes on from here. Because um, uh, you know we, we've we've basically just got to, to deal with the consequences. Um, well, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but I would imagine you're doing an absolute shitload of stuff like this. Uh, yeah, we're doing a, we're doing as many you know as many things as we can to promote the album right now. Um, nothing else we can do really. So we've um, you know we've been doing a lot of interviews. We're making a lot of promotional videos for uh, nuclear blast. Um, we're going to continue to try and promote it in sort of different ways. I think than we're, than we're used to. Um, we're making a, another, another video uh, for another song that's going to come out later in October. We feel like we kind of have to remind people about the record uh, because these days, you know, everything is, basically uh, short attention span um and and you know people forget uh about things soon after they come out because the next thing comes out so um in this in this day and age of social media we have to find ways to kind of remind people to go to check it out that haven't or um you know keep it keep it sort of on the top of people's minds yeah yeah, and well, and uh, yeah, it, 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 and it's the it's the uh, it's the same thing that we're all facing at the moment, and it, it's trying to sort of stay engaged with people. And yeah, you you know, you've got a brand new album out, you're not able to play it. The only way to get across to people, you know, what how the band feels about it is is interviews like this. And and you know, I, I, like I said, I just feel your pain because I'm sure you were really looking forward to playing these songs live. Yeah, I mean. You know, it's we had we had tours booked. Um, I think we had four separate tours, uh, three in Europe and one in uh, South America, and we were basically going to be uh, out on the road from April until um, about now. Uh, so it would have yeah. been you know four or five months worth of touring, and it's you know it's disappointing. But what what else can we do? We have no control over it, so. I guess the way we're looking at it is in, instead of dwelling on the, the negatives, um, we're just going to try and work on ways to stay positive and, and do as much as we can to promote the record. However we can. Well, you've, um, you've, you've been, you've been around long enough and in, and in enough bands over the years to kind of, you know, really have the experience, not that any of us have got an experience of what this is like, but 
you've at least you know like I say gathered over the years that like you like you say the only way to get through anything like this in fact the only way to get through being a band is just being is staying positive yeah well yeah that it's like persistence um in yeah. some ways we're like the the cockroaches that just won't give up you know yeah um, absolutely we just linger but that's how you have to be if you want to continue to play music it's a tough tough business and you know, it's definitely hard to make a living. This certainly certainly doesn't help the situation. I, I actually feel really bad for the crew um, and, you know, all of the, the venues the and venues, the yeah. and promoters. I mean, all yeah. of these people, they don't have the same way to, you know, redirect and sell merch and do Absolutely. other things. Uh, Absolutely. So I feel bad for all of them. I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, but, you know, what do you what, what can you bands do? Well, you know, if you're not doing gigs and it's like, yeah, well, we can put new merch out and, you know, we can there's various things that we can do. Um, and people are still those people who do buy music are still buying music. And, you know, some people because of lockdown bought more music. And but if you're a if you're a venue owner or a promoter or anything like that, there's there's, there's absolutely zero you can do to generate any income. Yeah, nothing at all. And so, I mean, that's really where the concern is. It's the same with all the, all the sort of, um, you know, uh, things that happen in the background of tours that nobody think about, thinks about like, like the, the bus companies and backline rental companies and all of those. I mean, they, they have, they can't do anything. (laughs) Yeah. And then you've got, and and then you're going to look at, uh, you know, hopefully the venues managed to hang in there because, you know that's the key any live you know any live network is is venues and you know it, it, you, you really hope that as many venues as possible can survive but that then makes that you know that, that some are going to go by the wayside but there's still the same volume of bands out there so it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting for a few years i think yeah i mean i i don't think people really are thinking about all the repercussions of this and how long it could possibly last you know i mean even even next year, if things if things return to normal, sort of in the second half of the year in terms of touring, every band on the planet is going to want to be out on the road, and there aren't going to be enough bus companies and backline yeah. and venues, and fans are going to have to choose between you know two or three shows that they want to go to in yeah. one night. Um, yeah. It's it's going to be it's going to be really tough. Um, I think, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, the longer I, this stuff goes on, you know, <laughs> yeah. the tougher it's going to be. Well, funnily enough, I was, um, I, I was at my, the last live show I went to was uh, the Bay Area um, Bites Back, which was, you know, Testament, oh, cool. yeah, Testament, um, and, uh, and and Death Angel and Exodus, and um, and I got to be honest, I, I I think that's the route to go. I think that will be a route to go down once things start freeing up. I think you're going to see basically headliners combining who may have who may well have gone out and headlined on their own tours i think you may well see headliners combining and saying look you know you're going to get the two headline acts together here um purely because as you said there's there's going to be everybody available and there's only so much money to go around you know people are strapped so it does make sense to sort of you know combine as many headliners on a bill as possible and sell places out yeah, I mean, we've we've kind of been seeing that over the last few years, anyway. Yeah. Um, but now I think more so, 
uh, it's going to be even more important next year, the year after. I mean, who knows how long for, for bands to sort of, you know, join forces, like you said, and, and, and try and put together the most appealing, you know, uh, tour package possible. Yeah, absolutely. But look, this is this. Is, I think I think we've pretty much covered the lockdown, and um, and if we're not careful, we're, we're you know probably both in danger of pissing each other off. <laughs> um, let's talk about happier things, which is um, I have to say, um, Empire of the Blind. I mean, look, I'm in a thrash band who put an album out for the first time in 29 years, so. Uh, your 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 mere ten years. I laugh at your mere ten years, <laughs> but but even so, um, any work that's been put together over you know over that period of time, um, it must have been you know a labour of love at times. How do you you know how do you feel that boring old question? Sorry to do this to you. How do you feel about the album now? Uh, I, I mean, I'm really happy with it. Um, you should be, man. We, you should we, be. It sounds fucking were, great. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, we worked really hard on it. It was, uh, it was definitely a labor of love at times. Um, you know, everybody put in killer performances on the record and we, we focused a lot on, you know, the songwriting, um, this time probably more than ever before. Um, and it's, you know, I, it's, it's great to finally have it out. I mean, some of these songs have been in existence for, eight years now um right. i started writing in 2012 when we signed with nuclear blast so it's it's great to get the beast off my back and um get it out to people for for everybody to hopefully enjoy yeah I, well i mean i i know the feeling when you've had those songs kicking around you know quite a while um, and finally getting them out. But by the same token, um, it does allow you to really trim all the fat off everything and get it how you want it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I'm super picky when I write anyway, but um, I went back in and, you know, made subtle changes and um, in cases, in some cases, ripped songs apart and rewrote them uh, to make them better. Um, you know, we, I think that's one of the things for us. Uh, it's one of the reasons why this band has been so slow over the years in terms of releasing material. It's because we're really picky. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, we throw away a lot of rips, you know, because we just, they aren't, they aren't great and we want great. So, you know, just something that's sort of average. We just, we just can't be happy with it. We had one song that we wrote for the album and uh and left it off because it was kind of like eh, it's not there yet you know it needs more work so um we're just happy to, happy to have something out and you know if this pandemic continues then um we might surprise the world and release another album in less than 10 years wow that's some, that's that's some bold <laughs> shit you stay in there <laughs> I'll be I'll be holding you to that. You'll have to do an interview with me in less than ten years. Well, the well the goal is actually in two years, but we'll see. It's uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. Yeah, but you know what? If there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's that having a deadline is a, always a good idea. Yeah, well, and I mean, frankly, I've had ten years, and I have a lot of material, so it's not like 
you know, we're starting from scratch after the record. I mean, there's already stuff um, that's more or less ready to go and in some cases. So um, we'll see. We'll see how things pan out. We, we don't like to rush anything around here. <laughs> yeah, look, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, um, where where do you kind of... Where do you kind of sit on on Heathen's um, legacy, as it were, or kind of place in things? Because you always, it's it's a band that the name always seems to get left out of the conversation. And it's literally like every single band you've probably ever played with gets gets a mention and, and you guys get left off. I mean, that's how I feel. It, 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 you know, is that a reasonable perception or, do you, or, or are you kind of, you know, happy with where the band sits in the scheme of things? Uh, no, no, that's a reasonable perception. I mean, I, I, I think from definitely from Lee and Dave's perspectives, but also from mine, having, having been a fan um, up until I joined, yeah. um, you know, it, it, Heathen has never really got its due. No. And I think some no. of that has been um, bad timing. Um uh, in in maybe one case, it was bad decision. Um, but, you know, I, I think if Victims of Deception was released in 89 instead of 91, then I think that the band would have been held in a higher regard. Um, it's, I think, you know, just that first album did, did so well, and then they waited for four years in between records. And and then when they when they released Victims, it was... You know, it was kind of like right at the end, and yeah. things were sort of starting to shift towards the what I call more rhythmic metal. You know, Pantera, um, yeah. Chaos AD era, Sepultura, um, all of the new new metal kind of stuff that came in, and it you know that for a band like Heathen that has a lot of melodic content, that was sort of not that popular at the time metal um so it's you know i think that's part of it i hate i hate it i'm wearing a, a murder in the front row t-shirt right now but i watched the documentary and i i was like really disappointed yeah. that they didn't even mention heathen um heathen was, was started in 84 and was honestly i mean it was right right after the beginning it was the year after the beginning they used to play shows with exodus you know for the first Exodus tour. So it was disappointing to see the band not get mentioned and other ones that came after get mentioned. But, you know, I mean, lack of consistency in terms of output of material. Um, I don't know. Who knows? It could be anything. Maybe, maybe people uh, don't like the melodic stuff in thrash metal quite as much. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, Heathen is Heathen is known as a thrash metal band, but I don't think any of us really see it that way. Uh, we see it just as a metal band, and we're definitely Bay Area thrash, but there's a lot more sort of to it, you know. So I think maybe I think maybe it's a combination of things, but we surely would like to see the band held up in the same regard as some of the others in the genre. Yeah, and it's like I said, you always seem to be, always seem heathen always seem to be left out of the conversation, um, and I, I, like you said, but I I think you might be onto something I, when you, when you say the kind of the more the more melodic overtones, 
Um, I def, I, you know, because it, it, it's weird. You know, like you say, yes, we, you know, we we are a Bay Area thrash band, but yes, we 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 do have, with you know, slightly more melodic than 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 other bands, and that does seem to, you know, whether it is that or not that has kind of set you aside. But you do seem to have that side to you that maybe more than any of the others. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, having Dave, um, he can sing anything. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 one of those things where it for creativity, it allows us to do anything that we want. And so we do. Um, the, this, this band doesn't really have any rules or anything. Um, so we might have a really fast thrasher, but we also might have a ballad. And we're not afraid to do different things with the, you know, with our music. And I don't know. I mean, there. it, it seems that at least over the years, it seems like there have been more and more rules in thrash metal. Oh yeah, yeah. Thrash, thrash metal was never about rules. It was always about breaking the rules. So yeah. it's kind of like, it, you know, fans. Uh, some fans seem to have these preconceived notions of what, um, what the thrash band should be doing. Yeah, the um, the, thra- yeah. the thrash checklist. Yeah, and I mean, it's that's okay. That's but that's only one element of the music. Um, you know, what tuning we're in and what, uh, you know, how fast our songs are or whatever, it's like that stuff doesn't matter. Um, and variety is important in, in a record. You know, you want to have variety of tempo and uh, types of songs and all of that kind of stuff. Um, or else you're just playing, you know, the same type of song over and over again, which is okay. I mean, I like a lot of albums that are like that, but those aren't necessarily the albums that end up, you know, being the ones where you're like, man, I want to go back and listen to that again. And that's the kind of album that we want to make, frankly. Absolutely. And I, and, and also, I mean, that's always been that's always been a part of my, my sort of theory for, um, you know, thrash kind of... People say it didn't die, but, you know, it went into a coma. And... Um, it was, you know, it, people said that death metal sort of came along and killed thrash. And it, I've always thought it wasn't a case of death metal came along and killed thrash. Thrash killed thrash because everyone basically stopped innovating. And, and you know, death metal bands and grindcore was all coming around. And, and it, you know, they were trying all, all sorts of stuff. Whereas thrash, we'd been very much, you know, everyone's going to have a ballad and there's going to be a song about how we're damaging the earth. And we just reached a time where stuff just, it stopped innovating. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I think that's part of it. And then I think there's another part of it too, where it's, um, it wasn't just the innovation, it was the craft of it. You know, like uh, when you're, I think, I think when you're in a position where you have to deliver a new album every year, or even two, like the bands used to do, um, you know, it, it becomes harder to, to get the, the classic stuff in there. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's more about finishing the record than it is about um, making something great. So it's, you know, it's a balance. I mean, some bands yeah. have been able to do yeah. it masterfully and, and others, Others not so much, you know. So, um, but that innovation, I think that's, I think that's really important, and I think it was, it was missing, you know. And 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 it, you know, in some ways it has been for a while, you know. It's it's uh, it's tough to to reinvent a band, you know, without 
having the fan base run away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, 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 I totally throw my hat in with that. I think, um, I'm I'm a, I'm amazed by bands who are constantly you know challenging their audience and and like really changing and and seeing you know being always being surprised at how many people go with them, um, but um, I I don't think thrash is ne- necessarily that that kind of genre, um, but there is clear you know there there is clear light and shade you know on your album there are you know there it, it there is um, there's an atmosphere to it. Do you know what I mean? It, I, I I really appreciate that as a as an old school listener, because there's there's plenty of albums that come out that are just you know ten, eleven, twelve tracks of, you know inverted commas brutal thrash, and it's like yeah great, but you know there's no ups, there's no downs, there's no you know everything's black and white, there's no grey, and it's just nice to have something where there's a few more moods available. Yeah, I mean you know at the end of the day, what we wanted to do was make a. a an album like those classics that, you know, we grew up on where there's a, a real beginning and an end. Yeah. And, and a journey. Uh, it takes you, it takes you on a journey throughout the record. And yeah, and just, just when you think that there's a, a, a lull, it, it's like, boom, you're back. You know, it's a lot of that stuff is just, um, you know, it's being conscious of what types of songs you've written already for a record. It's, um, it's being conscious of what the track listing is and the order of the songs. It's a lot of things. And I, I, you know, I mean, the the album format um, has kind of dwindled over the years as streaming has, has become more, more popular. Um, You know, people are listening to songs rather than albums. And so bands have been focusing less on, on making an, an, you know, an album and in the sense of like, a classic album and it's more now just kind of a collection of songs. Yeah. Uh, totally agree. And, and I think that that's, I think that's disappointing in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, uh, those, those albums, when I was a teenager, man, bands were, they were competitive with each other and they were trying to make a better album than the other bands. Yeah, and absolutely. Out. And nowadays it's like, eh, we have to make a record so we can go on tour. And, you know, it's not the greatest, but, you know, and that, and that to me, that's a sad, you know, it's sort of like degrading the art form. And it, you know, it's at the same time, it's, it's hard to survive and make a living playing this kind of music. You know, we're basically traveling t-shirt salesmen. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we, we just, some bands just do, they have to do what they have to to get back out on the road, so. Oh, Matt, look, I'll I tell you what, dude, don't listen to any interviews with me, okay, about my band and my and, and our album, etc. because you, because um, I, I've ripped off everything that you've just said. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I ripped you off. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but... Um, <laughs> No, I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't. I mean, I'm li- I'm literally on the podcast. I'm saying, look, I'm I'm sick of all of these five out. Of, you know, well, I'm sick of all these five out of ten, seven out of ten, seven and a half out of ten thrash albums. You know, let's like like let ten out of ten. You know, go big or go home. Don't just stick an album out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of always been Heathen's attitude. Um, Lee likes to say that fine wine takes time. Yeah, he's not so, wrong. You know, it's uh, and it's and it's true. There's only 
you know, there's only so much, uh, there's only so much you can do in a day. And sometimes, um, crafting a song takes a long time, you know, and other times it, other times it comes right out. You just, you know, you just never know, but we don't like to force anything. It's, yeah. it's gotta be good. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, um, I, I, you know, we're staying in touch with our fans on Facebook and doing some Facebook lives and people are saying, Oh, you know, because there's a lockdown, you're writing an album. No. And that is the, that is the, that's the, the that would be the worst reason ever to write an album. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, we're, uh, we're going to write it just because we've got some spare time. Well, no, you you know, if you ain't feeling it, you ain't feeling it. And you know, during lockdown and this craziness, um, yeah, haven't felt haven't felt like creating anything. <laughs> well, yeah, and plus, you know, when you when you create something and you spend all that energy, I mean, I I don't think people realize like at some point when you finish the album and you and you have that wave of relief. Yeah. You have zero desire to be creative because you just gave everything you had to what you made, you know, the album that you just made. So, I, I mean, we we finished the album, you know, back in January, but I, I spent a year working on it. And yeah. after that, I was just, I was tapped out creatively. And right, just right now, you know, maybe nine months later, I'm just starting to get some ideas, you know, like creative ideas. Um, of course, I have no time to do any of that because <laughs> because I'm promoting this album. But you know, I, I, when when the ideas and the spark is there, that's when you go for it. You know, but just writing something when you don't have anything—it's just. I mean, you can write stuff, but it won't be great. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's yeah. well. I, I I was saying, you know, when you're in that cycle, you know, you 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 know, you 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 write. You pre-produce, you record, you release, you tour, and we're at that stage. We're at that stage of we should be on tour, because right. what, yeah, and, and so and so you know that's that's where we are. And just because we're not, we're still in that cycle of the record. So that's where you are. It's like you know you start writing a new you start writing a new record when a it starts flowing and b you you're sick of playing the new record. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it's all, you know, you know, and we haven't had a chance to play one single note of it. Well, we have to four gigs, but I mean, you know, other than that, it's like no, I want to, we want to get out there and play this stuff, not write a whole new fucking record. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, yeah. you know, I mean, at, at some point, you know, if this lingers on, like I'm, I'm just going to start working on the next one. Yeah, uh, I, I think, I think a lot of people, um, there are a lot of bands that are holding their records. They finished like around the same time that we did and they're right. holding them until next year when they can tour. And I'm actually wondering if they're going to get to tour next yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. They or, hope or they're going to get to tour. To the extent that they think they are. And I'm wondering if maybe it would have been better for them to release the record and not be sitting on it. And then, you know, ultimately maybe work on another one um, and, and keep the momentum going once they, release something it's going to be tough i you know it's no roadmap for what's going on right now in terms of what to do or not to do yeah no absolutely absolutely although i still i still think you're i still think you're um you're right on that i think i think anybody who's got an album in the can it's like look just just put it out because there 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 is there is absolutely 
you know, if somebody said to you tomorrow in a record label, right, when's the best when's the best time to put this out? It's like, well, no one's got a clue. You know? Yeah. I mean we're in we're in like uncharted waters right now in terms of what to do. And I was I mean, I remember discussing it with Nuclear Blast, like, hey, what do we do here? You know? Um and and basically, you know, made the decision with the label, like, let's go ahead and release it, you know, and put it out and do the best that you know do the best that we can with promotion. I wanted to get it out when people needed to hear music. They need entertainment. I mean, I, I know personally, I've run out of science fiction shows to watch. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, oh, so man, it, I, I know what you mean. I've, I know what you mean. I've become a real, real heart. I've been the worst Netflix crit, you know, critic ever. Now something, uh, four minutes in, and I, uh, no, get rid of it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, until until October rolls around and the new seasons of shows start, like, uh, yeah, I got nothing to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, are you a are you a big um, are you a big movie guy, a, sci- a sci fi guy? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big sci fi nerd. Um, I'm a huge. Uh, I've, since since I saw Star Wars when I was five, I've been a huge uh, science fiction fan. So we, oh well, you know. look, dude. I've got. There's also there's also a. Uh, I do a movie podcast called. Well, this is Talking Bollocks, and I do a, a movie podcast called Movie Bollocks. Got to have you on. Um, and oh, we, cool. Yeah, we, we can just talk shit about movies. You know, there's there's no. It, it, it's it's so different from talking about music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm a, I'm not missing going to the theater necessarily. I mean, that's kind of. Um, that's kind of gotten to be a less of an interesting experience now that everything's at home and you know i've surround yeah. sound at home so i don't i i still like going to movies in the theater but um i mean i'm just i've always loved watching movies and science fiction shows and stuff there's been some great ones that have come out recently so I'd, well, I'd be happy to talk to you about them. Oh, it, oh definitely, man. Look, I, I mean, I mean, I, I, I think I'm probably a bit like you. I will make a trip to the cinema if I think, yeah, I've got to see that on a big screen. But other yeah. than that, I, I'm pretty much not going. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, you know, I, I still watch stuff on Blu-ray, and not everything's yeah. streaming. Absolutely, I, yeah. I, I'm an old school guy. I like to buy things, you know, and physical media. I still buy albums. Oh look! Uh, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine on Blu ray looks and sounds incredible. I have it sitting right next to my Blu ray player. Hey. I haven't watched it yet, but I have it. <laughs> oh man, honestly, well, I'm I'm full on geekery. Um, I still have an old three D TV which I don't want to get rid of because they don't make them anymore. Um, uh, so I've still got a you know uh, a Sony old school one, and I've got that movie on 3D as well, and it's just oh wow cool! It's insane, man! It's absolutely insane. But um, yeah, no, I, I, it's just like chewing up any kind of entertainment, just trying to get you know, just trying to pass the time, really. Yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, it seems to me like fans want new music and when bands are holding their albums you know not everybody's holding them a lot of bands have decided to release them as as planned but um you know there's there's a need for entertainment right now and so if if we can get more people to pay attention to the heathen album because it's out now i mean whatever whatever works we're Uh, we're happy to do it absolutely man absolutely i mean it's um 
I mean, and also I've heard I've heard about you know bands trying to be creative with how they're releasing it as well. I read a story of a band who's planning to release basically a whole album, but they're just going to release one song at a time um, with a video, um, and then when they're all out, they'll do a physical product release. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, and I just think, do you know what? That might be a way. I mean, you know, you've got eleven tracks on an album. You put out one a month. You really are kind of dragging out the exposure a lot more than if you just drop an album. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the labels um, are are starting to shift towards the the singles idea, and I think really that you know they're they're taking a cue from the pop and hip hop and all the other artists where they're just releasing singles. Um, and it's, it's strange, but when people are paying, um, you know, when their attention span is short and everything's streaming anyway, um, releasing a single on a regular basis is not necessarily a bad idea. It's not how, uh, how we were, you know, sort of raised to make music, Yeah. but I'm not opposed to it. If the label said, Hey, you know, after this record, let's release a, a single or whatever, I would say, okay, you know, but, and I'm talking about something new um, that's not on the record. I mean, I'd be totally okay with that. We're, we're kind of halfway doing that where we're thinking about making videos for each song and releasing them just to kind of remind people about the album that's already out. Um, But we will have done, you know, three videos by, by the the time uh, this airs, I'm sure that the, the third video will be out tomorrow. So, um, you know, it's, it's uncharted waters. We'll just do whatever, whatever we can. Yeah, man. Whatever we can. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, I think anybody who's trying, you know, trying anything different or, you know, a way, ways of releasing and things like that. It's, um, the, now is the time to try it surely. Cause you know, (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if there was any time to experiment and see what works and doesn't work, it's right now because, yeah. you know, well, I, I mean, we can't I, do anything else. Well, if you look at it, I mean, it, you know, uh, haven't, haven't, we, haven't we always been told at school that, you know, in, in, historically, whenever, whenever uh, civilizations go through wars or any great time of hardship, that's when it's the greatest time of innovation as well because everybody's working extra hard to, to try and get through whatever it is. So you never know. There might be, a, 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 you know, an impact from... Everybody trying to, you know, just trying different things, different ways of releasing stuff that we come across something new. You know, we come across the answer because let's face it, everybody's looking to try and see what the future looks like. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think outside the box right now on on almost anything, you know, in terms of yeah. promoting yeah. promoting the album. Um, you know, I, I like to stay busy. So, I mean, I I. I'm going to release a guitar book for the new album. You know, actually it's technically it's available digitally already. Um, before the album was even out, I had that ready to go. I, I, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of bands doing interesting things with their merchandise. Um, you know, things that metal bands sort of traditionally haven't done like, like, you know, puzzles and yeah. any number of things that, that will be different and outside the box. So, um, you know, we're going to have a heathen beer um, that will be announced hopefully today. Um, and uh, and just anything, anything to keep keep people's attention a little bit. It's 
It's tough these days. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Well, well, well. I um, feel free to do it. Feel free to to try this out. Um, I came up with the idea of doing a vocalist's commentary version of our album. So basically, I provided it for um, subscribers to the to the podcast who are also there's also sort of like Acid Rain fans who subscribe as well to get behind the scenes stuff. And basically, yep. it basically it's me. Um, listening to the album and talking about right okay you know this is how this song together and oh listen out for that and this is what happened in production and that's how we got that sound and sometimes I do a little bit of an intro of a song but basically just kind of talking through the album from a production from a all from a creative point of view from it might be how it was written to how it was recorded to an idea we had in the studio and all it all it involved was just me listening to the album and and you know and then marrying up the the, you know the my commentary track and the album um and people have been absolutely like loving it because they oh, cool. you know they they can they can they're hearing the history of songs and they, they and they'll hear bits in the album that they hadn't heard before or they'll hear things that that now they know why it's there you know what i mean yeah that's a great idea i mean i've been thinking about doing some kind of a i don't know whether it's whether it'll be a video or what where i I break down the songs, you know, he then has a lot of, um, what we in the, in recording call overdubs, but I, <laughs> yeah. we call, call them layers. Yes. Um, and we have a lot of guitar layering that we do. Yeah. Um, that'll, that many of the other thrash bands don't do. And I think, it, I think, you know, I was thinking maybe it would be interesting to sort of break those down and see how show people how they fit on top of each other, because some of them are, are you know ear candy volume you'd yes. miss them yeah. if they were taken away but you don't necessarily hear them prominently yes and um, you know i think that, that that kind of stuff is you know it's interesting for the fans that like that stuff i mean the commentary idea is a great one i yeah. might might steal that from you too well i feel free man i feel free because it's like you know we're all in this we're all in this together we're going to help each other out but, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, because it was a purely rather than you know, because it's a purely uh, um, uh, audio thing, the way I did it is 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 ba- you've got the album playing in the background, so people, are, so it is kind of like listening to the album. There's there's there there aren't the distractions that you that literally that your eyes give you if you're if you're watching the same thing. So that's why I wanted to do it right. from an audio perspective. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's 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 worked well, man. Look, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna stop going on about my idea, okay? Because it's this is your interview, not mine. <laughs> it's a good one. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I said feel feel free to fucking steal it. Um, uh, now, look, mate, have you got a have you got a runoff? Because I've, I've I've got you for another five minutes, haven't I? And I, I, I... No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, brilliant. Okay, great. Because I've got I have got some subscriber questions for you, but that can um, uh, they can wait. Um, so when it came to actually when it when it came to actually recording, you, you say the album was finished in January. When was the actual recording finished? Because I'm presuming if it was finished in January, then mixing was it, you know started a good while before that. Yeah, I mean, it, the process of recording this album was not sort of the normal. Um, it, it wasn't the normal recording process. So ah, right. I okay. actually I, I did pre-production here in my studio. Um, all of the songs were basically demoed out um, with, you know, program drums and guitar tracks and vocals and everything. And, and then we took, 
basically we took that and went and recorded the drum tracks. And then I went back and made changes to the guitars based on maybe things that, that, that Jim, our drummer did. Um, and, uh, and sort of, it was so, so it was sort of this interesting, like fluid recording. Um, you know, usually when bands go in, they put down some kind of scratch guitars and, and record drums and then, you know, record the guitars and bass. And then everything was done in kind of an order. We didn't really do that. Um, we were trying to be uh, flexible in terms of creativity. And so being able to go back and make little changes here and there or re-record parts or um, add things um, during the process was really cool. Um, we recorded, basically we did the pre-production mostly first half of the year. And then we started recording the drums in September. Um, and then we did, uh, the vocals and bass in a session um, about a week long uh, in October. And then we did another one in um, uh, November where we did uh, Lee's stuff and uh, the rest of the vocals. And so we were done in recording in December and it was basically mixed right after and mastered and ready to go. Um, and we delivered the music in January um, and the artwork and everything else. So we were we were a little behind schedule from what we needed to be for our April re you know, release date, but then it all got pushed back anyway. So um, it, was a, it was a different process than this band has done before. Um, it was sort of more of a, that modern uh, recording you know, where people can be in multiple locations recording and, um, yeah. and every, everything yeah. syncs up and everything. So we did it in four different studios um, in three different states. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a, but it was a cool process and we loved working with Zeus. He did a killer job on the record. Um, we wanted to have sort of that, that mixture of classic late 80s, early 90s analog recording with more modern production, and it, and I think we I think we were able to capture it. Well, um, I you know I I think we we worked the, exactly the same way um, for the first time ever. So that's a, that's an interesting crossover. Um, yeah. And um and I think when you spend that length of time working on something as well, I don't know about you, but we I, I really felt we we developed a real strong bond with with, with our producer. Um. Because it's like it's almost like he was the kind of constant in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it, I I was the only one present for all of the recording because I recorded the guitars here, but Zeus was there for everything else, and we were on the phone all the time talking about stuff and working on the songs. And I mean, he and I are are really good friends. You know, just going through this process. Um, I also was at the same time was having him uh, mix albums from a couple of other bands that I work on work on with the sort of the management side of things so um, you know inc including Raven I managed them for about a year um, when they were mixing their new record which sounds great um, so you know it, it, we de we definitely developed a, a strong bond you know working with him and I, I would I would love to work with him again on the next record 
Ah, oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, because I, I, you know, you've got to have, you've got to have somebody that you rely on and that you, and who, more importantly, whose judgment you trust, but also they feel that they can just, they can come out and say, look, you know, I don't think this is up to up to scratch or you know whatever they have to say. Yeah, I mean that, and and um, you know, I mean, it, honestly, it can be really hard just to find a producer that understands what you want and how to do it. And um, I think if you can find somebody like that, and which we did, and then on top of it, have that level of sort of trust, you know, for for him to say, "Eh, I don't think this is going to cut it or or I I think the arrangement would be better if you cut this part out kind of a thing, which he did. Uh, And and he was right. You know, I mean, a lot of that kind of stuff is it's important. And bands don't always have a, a, a filter when it comes to their music because they're so close to it, you know, creatively. I, I was I was just, just going to say, yeah, that, you know, we're too close to it and it takes somebody else who's just that little bit further back and they can see the wood for the trees, you know, and they can say, no, right. no, just change that, trust me. And, you, and yeah, you look back on it and think, I'm really glad I listened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, you need, a, you need somebody who's, who's a third party sometimes that's a little more neutral in the, uh, of course, they're not completely neutral if they're working on the project, but they they're able to see things that you can't because you're right there in the middle of the of the forest. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, so, um, and and um, am I right in assuming that you handle pretty much most of the uh, social media for the band as well? Yeah, um, I'm. I'm kind of in this weird position where uh, I'm in the band, I manage the band, and uh, most of the other guys in the band are, are uh, how do I put this lightly, technologically deficient. <laughs> so uh, I do a lot of the social media stuff. Um, I, I, I'm very thankful that Nuclear Blast has um, a great social media person that's, that helps me with a lot of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, even the, the videos that we make for promotion, I mean, I'm filming myself and uh, editing myself and making the videos and, um, you know, we don't, we don't have, uh, we don't have a lot of, of, uh, support in that area because I am, managed. so, <laughs> uh, so I basically just, I basically just do it because I have to. And I, I, I think that kind of comes from my, um, my video game background, I spent uh, over a decade working for Activision making video games. And in the early years there, um, we didn't have big budgets and we had to like do multiple jobs. So I would, you know, produce a video game, but I would also have to edit the dialogue and edit the, you know, the curse words out of songs uh, and all kinds of things. So that that kind of thing is is sort of normal for me at this point you know doing more than one sort of job with with whatever i'm working on and i'm i'm okay with it it's you know it's tiring sometimes but what isn't yeah and yeah look I, yeah exactly and and i know what you mean about it, it gets tiring um but um i i'm i'm kind of like listening to that 
and you know all the efforts that, that's required and you're you know you're across everything and making the videos i'm interested um, please tell me you didn't you didn't leave the gaming industry before all the money arrived oh no i actually i i was super lucky um i got into the video game industry right at the tail end of the 90s um when it hadn't taken off yet um and then i and i started as a tester and then I, I worked my way up and, and I was a producer uh, for Activision. I got to work on uh, some of the Guitar Hero games, a lot of the action sports games that we had, like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Um, I worked on a 007 game. Um, oh, that's, I was a, that's a classic, on a right? Duty game at the end of my career uh, before I got laid off. But, um, you know, I was basically, I was a victim of um, getting... Uh, too old for the industry kind of a thing. They wanted to go younger and cheaper. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. it, it, I don't think it was a surprise that I got laid off right around my 40th birthday. Uh, so, um, you know, but, but it's okay. I looked at it as a, a positive thing in a way. And um, I, I basically looked at it as an opportunity to go back and do what I really wanted to do, which was music. So I focused a hundred percent on that and, Actually, that's that's what the the track "Sun in My Hand" is more or less about. Um, is about you know kind of going through working that that job. That's while it was the best job I've ever had, it's not exactly what I wanted to do. And I was trying to climb the corporate ladder, and I hated it. And you know, and um, I really just looked at it as a as a a, a sort of transition time to go and try and reach for the stars, so to speak, and do what I wanted to do again. So I've been, and I've been very fortunate to get to, to, to be in and play with, uh, you know, two of my favorite thrash bands of all time. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, look, well, yeah, that's, that's, there's the, um, uh, there's the, I have a tendency, I have a tendency to always find a link between myself and whoever I'm interviewing. And there's the, there's the connection. Acid Rain, um, we toured with um, Exodus back on the Fabulous Disaster Tour. Oh um, yeah, that's right. But way back in uh, yeah, way back in '89, which was which was absolutely awesome, I have to say. Um, you know, peak peak of the old school days. Um, yeah. That but that must have been that must have been awesome to get a chance to uh, to play in Exodus as well, and now to be so involved with Heathen. I mean, you, you know, you're you're, you're living, uh, you know, quite a few fans' dreams, and quite a few people listening to this will be quite jealous, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, when I was, if I was, uh, if you told teenage me that I was going to be able to to you know be in one of these bands and play in uh, both of them, and I manage both of them. <laughs> So I I would never have believed you. Um, You know, it it certainly was an awesome experience to get to play with Exodus. Um, You know, it was a daunting task. Uh, I was really worried at first about filling in for Gary because, you know, I mean, honestly, those guys are like heroes to me um, from a fan's point of view. And to be able to play with them and tour the world and, you know, I mean, they're 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 good friends and uh, i had a great time doing it and i'm really thankful for the opportunity to do it so and that, i definitely don't take it for granted no and 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 also filling in filling in for gary holt that just right off the bat that offer 
is a, a serious um, underlining of um, how good you know you you you're seen as a guitarist on the scene as well. I mean that's a, that's a you know that's not short of a big old seal of approval right there. Well, yeah, I mean we you know there were some people online that did, didn't like it of course and I mean I understand. I'm I'm a fan too and so it's hard it's hard to think like uh am I going to go see one of my favorite bands but without the guy who's sort of basically the band leader, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult, uh, hurdle to overcome for a lot of fans, but, you know, I just basically did my best to, um, replicate what Gary does, um, to the best of my ability. I, I, I studied the, some techniques that he has for, especially for rhythm guitar. And, you know, I play lead differently than he does, but I adapted my style and, um, I, I, more or less just wanted to make it so that when fans closed their eyes, it still sounded like Exodus. That was my goal. Um, and you know, I, I, all, I know I did, did my part and did my best. And there were a lot of fans that I think, um, you know, a lot of fans that had only seen Exodus with me, uh, you know, some of the younger fans. So I think it's really cool that Gary's back playing with them and that, um, hopefully soon they will get to get to play more shows. They're they're working on a new record right now. So, um, well, I mean, this is the funny thing about the industry, though, isn't it? It's 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 a model for life. Yeah, there's some people complaining um, uh, you and Exodus because you're not Gary Holt. That's not your fault. And then you've got Slayer fans complaining that uh, that that Gary Holt is in Slayer and, you know, they should have packed up after Jeff died. So, you know, none of us can win. There's always going to be people yeah. out there who don't like what you do. And as you say, all you can do is know, is know that you, when you put your head on the pillow at night, you've, that you've done your best. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. And then the other part of it that people don't really realise is that, you know, these guys don't have day jobs. They make their living playing music. And so they can't just sit around... Um, you know, they can't just sit around when somebody's doing something else. They still have to get get to work. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, if I if I was able to help those guys work and and I was able to work, I mean, you know, that's that's how I how I think you have to look at it. It's the only way you can look at it. You know, uh, some bands, if they just sat on their hands when a member was playing with a different band, would you know, they would have to go get jobs and <laughs> yeah, I know, no, absolutely. not be a band anymore. So yeah, yeah, and and especially when you've got the response when when you're a you've had the responsibility of managing those two bands as well. I mean, you know, I, I, that now that is something that you you must be a glutton for punishment, dude. Oh God, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, I I manage uh, Exodus, I co-manage Exodus. I manage Heathen. Um, I, I manage, uh, Defiance. I manage a younger band called War Curse, um, that's going to be announcing their signing, um, to a pretty cool metal label pretty soon. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I managed Raven for about a year, um, while they were working on their, their new record, uh, Metal City. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work sometimes, um, you know. Art, artists are artists, and they are are sometimes artistes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if mate. that makes sense. Mate, uh, uh, so, but, yeah, you know, it's all right. 
I know, I, I know exactly, exactly what you mean. Um, I mean, you know, you, it's amazing any bands, you know, have, have ever got together and actually managed more than one album. When you, when you think of the concept of getting five, you know, five or four or however many artists in a room together um, and, and, you know, actually agreeing on anything and being able to spend time traveling around the world together and creating music. It's, um, it's pretty amazing that, you know, I say that anything ever comes out. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's a, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like which side of your brain do you use, uh, with, yeah. with a lot of the guys, you know, and most of the guys that are playing music, I mean, if you're musical or artistic, you're using one side of your brain. And if you're, uh, you know, good at math and, uh, accounting, you use the other side of your brain. So, um, sometimes guys don't use both sides or they prioritize one and, you know, and art is the focus and logic goes out the window. And then we have, uh, you know, that, that's where management comes to help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I know exactly what you mean. Um, well, look, dude, um, can you just hold there? Because um, uh, we're, we're done for the main interview, but um, I've got um, a few subscriber questions for you, if that's okay, if you've got a few more yeah, minutes. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Awesome. Well, don't go anywhere, but for, th for now, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Well, that was great fun, as you can tell, because you listened to the interview um, and obviously went off and did subscriber questions there, which is for um, patrons of the podcast um, and also of Acid Rain. If you sign up at patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith, it will cost you $5 a month. You get uh, your own private podcast with your own questions asked of guests. You can be asking Craig and you could be asking James Murphy, you could be asking Matt Cavalieri your own questions. And you get them in your own little podcast. You get the podcast early. You get all sorts of extras and behind-the-scenes stuff. We do a live um, uh, podcast. Well, kind of like a live podcast, live Zoom chat once a month as well. Loads of acid rain behind-the-scenes stuff. So if you're interested, um, sign up at patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. Okay. Um, that was very, very cool. Really enjoyed that. Cragen was then very, very generous with his time. There's over half an hour of questions and answers that he did for subscribers, which was awesome, um, that they will listen to, that will not be coming um, from behind the paywall. That I did that with the James Murphy one, just to give you all an idea of, 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 of what it consists of. Um, but it was, yeah, it was great fun. Really, as I said, generous, generous with his time. Um, just a really nice guy, as you heard, and um, and incredibly just steeped in thrash. Now, I am I am at this point not going to do what most other podcasts do, which is basically go on and on and on about the interview that you've just heard because it irritates me when I listen to podcasts and you know the host usually hosts spend 10 minutes breaking it down you just heard it you you know what the interview was there's no need for me to keep going over and over and over because you just listen to it so anyway what this now becomes is the part of the podcast where I thank you all for listening. I thank you all for being bollockers. There's a phrase I haven't used in a long time. Thank you for being bollockers. Thank you for listening to the podcast, for engaging with the podcast. If you would be so kind, please share the podcast. Tell people about it. You are the Talking Bollocks army. You are the people that will make Talking Bollocks bigger and better. 
and that means I can go and get even bigger and better interviews. And that, let's face it, is what it's all about, okay? That and the rantings of a self-obsessed egomaniac cunt like myself. (laughs) I mean, you know, let's be honest. Bit of a twat. I tell you what, I have got to tell you that I am in possession of one of the amazing... um, uh, Ace of Spades box sets that's coming out. It's incredible. I've got it in my hand at the moment. It weighs a ton. Um, I don't even know where to start. It is so full of stuff. It's amazing. And um, I'm I'm getting a completely new appreciation for Motorhead. They were never, ever... Um, my favourite band and Lemmy was never my favourite personality and long time listeners will know that but I tell you what that is rapidly changing um, I realised that I read a book by Lemmy and completely got the wrong end of the stick um, and I realised that he's everybody that I'm interviewing and speak to has just got the highest of praise from as an individual that is very rare in this industry um, and you know what I'm going to borrow a phrase from Jamie Jaster, and don't worry, it's not about blue pills and staying hard. Um, I'm going to borrow a phrase from him. If you bring me new information, my mind can be changed. I will change my opinion. I'm not just going to have my heels dug in and stick to my opinion if it's clearly wrong. If there's clearly evidence that contradicts my standpoint, then I'm going to hold my hands up and go, okay, fair enough, fair enough, I'll change my mind. Um, but yeah, honestly, this box set is just incredible. The label sent it to me. So, um, so obviously, you know, the podcast is starts with, um, coming, you know, the Ace of Spades, uh, 40th anniversary edition coming out. Um, and so it made, oh, it made a load of sense for me to actually have a box set and look at it. And honestly, if you are, if you're a Motorhead fan, you need to be really excited about the end of October because this Ace of Spades stuff is just fucking unbelievable. Anyway, not everybody's going to be getting the box set. It is 150 quid, but bloody hell, it's worth it. Honestly, when you hold it in your hand and you see what's in it, it is worth it. And that brings me on so actually to something, a, a comment on Acid Rain's Facebook page this week. Um, and I know Metallica get a lot of hate um, for not being the band that they were when they recorded Master of Puppets. Um, and obviously, you know, or everything that comes with that. And somebody suggested that the reason that, um, that, uh, that bands like Metallica selling $230 bottles of whiskey, that that is money that could be going to other bands. So it's Metallica making money at the expense of smaller bands. And I'd just like to point out that if you've got an issue with Metallica, that's fine. If you've got a bit of Metallica hate, that's fine. The reason you have that hate is because you loved them once and it's turned into hate. I understand that. They're not the band that you fell in love with, but they haven't been that band since then. They haven't been that band since the Black Album. That's 30 years ago. So you probably need to get over it and let it lie. Okay? Now it's fine that you have that opinion, okay? If and, and it's fine that you have that 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 terrible, tortured relationship with Metallica. You once loved them and now you hate them. But you can't apply Metallica selling bottles of whiskey for $230 to smaller bands not doing well. It doesn't work like that. You may as well in fact, if you want to follow that thinking. The smaller bands wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Metallica because they basically 
pretty much were what let's not say created but one of the the forerunner for thrash metal and kicked the door open for every other thrash metal band there's ever been so from that point of view um any smaller bands in the genre owe their entire careers to the genre existing therefore they owe it to metallica but i'm not saying you know that's if you use that 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 particular argument i'm not saying that what i'm saying is that it's not metallica's fault that smaller bands might be struggling. Somebody buying a $230 bottle of whiskey off the Metallica website is very, very unlikely to be um, uh, absolutely, you know, waiting on edge for the new Heathen album or for the new Acid Rain album or for the new anybody album. Uh, that, and, and not only that, but let's look at all the other things that fans of smaller bands are spending money on. Things like games, things like movies, Things like alcohol. Well, all, all of that stuff can be blamed for people not giving money to smaller bands. I understand the concern for smaller bands. I'm fucking in one, right? But our job is to do the best we can with our resources and get people to, to hopefully part with some money for stuff that we've made that we do. Something like that. And that's the end of the argument. That's what we're all doing. It's a free marketplace. And that's what we're all doing. And that's what Metallica are doing. They're just doing it at a level that is beyond everyone else. And that's because they can. So, you know, I don't have a problem here. I really don't, uh, for once. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm afraid even before the pandemic, it was a case of just stick your fucking logo. Any, any band can put their logo on anything. If people are going to buy it, fingers crossed they will. Because the money is in physical products. You want people to buy it. And whether it's whiskey or a fucking you know, Metallica condoms, whatever it is, or it's looking behemoth vibrators, you name it, right? Bands will put their logo on it and sell it if it helps keep their um, f their band alive and pay their bills. That's just the world we live in now. And on that, I mean, that's, that is, that's almost common sense coming from me. I mean, I'm just pointing, just pointing out that that's the way it is. OK, that is the way it is. It's not Metallica's fault. They ain't taking money out of anybody else's uh, wallet. It's just not the case. It's a flawed argument and one that comes from emotion, not from a rational place. Anyway, well, I hope you found that interesting and enlightening. Um, wherever you are listening to this, hope, take care of yourself. Use hand sanitizer, social distance, wear a mask. It's the, it, I mean, it's not like you're being asked to fucking jump through a massive hoop 10 feet in the air every time you go out. It's really not difficult. And your civil liberties are not being taken away. When you're at war, and we're, on, we're at war with an unseen killer, yeah, curfews come into place. So for all those people going, oh, my grandparents fought for fought, fought, um, uh, civil rights and now they're seeing being taken away. Well, when your grandparents were fighting for civil rights, yeah, when they were away at war fighting for our rights, we were under curfew, yeah, not lockdown, curfew back at home and spending hours and nights, entire nights, entire days in air raid shelters. Now, no, but now, of course, if that was the case, people would be out in the streets protesting, saying there's no, re there's no, there's no real war, and then a bomb would drop on them, and that'd be the end of that. But because a virus is an unseen killer, doesn't mean we're not at war. And sometimes, unfortunately, we all, you know, we all have to give something up to make sure for the greater good. This
this is for me all about unity. It's not about individuality. It's not about individuals' rights. It's about unity. It's about us all coming together and working together to defeat um, an enemy that we can't see. And I look, I'm as anti-establishment as anybody. I'll tell you to question everything. Yeah, not all conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories are completely mad, but at times like this, it really you've got to choose your moments, and it's about coming together. It really is. And if I lose listeners for saying this, then I lose listeners. Um, but it had to be said. For me, I felt like it had to be said. Anyway, that aside, that's about as close to politics. It's not even politics. It's fucking public health, for fuck's sake. How can people be against public health? There was a protest in, in London yesterday, an anti-lockdown protest. Get this through your fucking heads. We're all anti-lockdown. None of us want to be locked down. But we understand why and we're complying because it is necessary. Because we listen to scientists. And we get our information from places other than YouTube. And let's face it, if this really was a massive conspiracy, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be really disappointing if people like David Icke, and if you don't know who that is, please do look him up. Um, were the ones who'd actually found out. I mean, you know. Anyway, I've gone on far enough. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there's, let's face it, there's, there's, there's none of those are listening. As always, thank you very much for listening. Lots of bollocks has been talked, a load of bollocks in the last few minutes. And um, I hope you're all well. Take care of each other out there. And I'll speak to you with Dom Lawson in a couple of weeks. <laughs>